Welcome to episode 173 of the Various Sundry Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is ramping up preparations for the Day of Giving, John Scott Sloat. Doc, what's happening? Well, we've got a little bit of a, an unusual experience happening today. We actually have a videographer in our in our presence. Yep. Yeah. He's videoing my face <laughs> right now. <laughs> yes, it's a good thing you're so photogenic. Yeah. That, uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's why I do podcasts because I'm so photogenic. A face made for radio. That's <laughs> us. That's us. But you're getting ready for Day of Giving. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about which this episode actually drops on the Day of Giving, right? Yes, yes. So April 25th is Day of Giving yeah. at Grace College. So every – just about I think every institution does some form of this in the spring, yeah. an opportunity for alumni, donors, friends of the university uh, to give mostly to our general fund, yeah. uh, which goes to student scholarships, things like that. Uh, we have a goal of I think $1.1 million. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, and we're most. And how much of that are you personally giving? Um, probably like, <laughs> probably like less than. Gosh, I, you asked me to do math on the podcast. Yeah, this it's is always, not a, always yeah. a risk. Uh, always very a risk. little, yes. very little. Okay, but something. Um, Maybe we should get our podcast uh, fund to give something to the institution. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that that podcast fund. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually throw a day of giving link into the show notes if Why that's not? okay. Why not? And uh, they can watch everything. We have a $50,000 match, so every hey, dollar given there we uh, go. to Grace College and Seminary okay. uh, through the day of giving campaign is matched up to $50,000. So, awesome. Uh, we would love our listeners to step up in giving to, uh, to Grace College and Seminary. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic opportunity. So um, tell me about your weekend. What uh, What was going on this past weekend for you? My goodness, what even happened this past weekend? A um, lot of like little projects. So cleaning okay. up the garage, we just moved. Yeah. Had yep. to mow the yard of the old house, things like that. Not not too much to write so home about. Your previous home, which you're you're finally closing on on the cusp this week. On the cusp, you had to start from scratch with the grass. Yeah, the the house you're currently in though came with a fully ready to go lawn and yeah it's been established for like 30 years yeah yeah almost 30 years okay so uh what is the condition of the lawn as you took possession of the house it's stunning yeah it's beautiful yeah now the neighborhood i made moved into is a bit fussier uh about uh (laughs) lawns than the previous neighborhood are there specific codes that you must uh live up to maybe not written codes but certainly Uh, like a cultural code yeah uh, if i can say it like that it's a big neighborhood i mean that's a that's a pretty sizable uh little can you even call it a subdivision it's huge it's just a division there's no sub about it (laughs) there's no sub yes Yes. So uh, size of the lot, is it comparable in terms of what you had before? It's, it's about the same. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more grass, but okay, it's about the same. I mean, you are our resident expert in grass growing. Well, you want to know what? I mowed the new lawn and then went and mowed the old lawn. And mm-hmm. the old lawn, I went, this is garbage. Yeah. Who's been caring for this? Well, I mean, it's hard to start a yard from scratch, like there's, mm-hmm. especially in the – as we've well documented oh. on this podcast, the clay – uh, soil that you've had to deal with yeah. in the other house. So in any case, uh, 
You ready to talk some sports? Sure. Uh, can I mention a few things for just real quick? Yeah. So this is the Various and Sundry podcast. Uh, our Twitter <laughs> handle is at VNS Pod. Uh, you can email the show at variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we would ask that you subscribe uh, to the podcast on wherever you listen to find podcasts. Uh, we can be found wherever found find podcasts are found. Boy, that was tough to say. Yeah. Uh, we have a Facebook page that I'm sure stuff happens there. Uh <laughs> <laughs> there is a YouTube channel where I am also sure things happen, sure. and we would love you to leave a five-star rating and a snarky review. Snarky, yes, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for stepping in there. And uh, I know. The videographer the threw you off. It, it does. It's really his I fault. I am a creature of habit, and when you, when you, uh, when you move around that, that just uh, – that – that messes with uh-huh. my my consistency. Well, so. I noticed something was off when you asked about the lawn uh, that yeah. that early. Yeah, well, you know, we're always desperate for content. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now can we move on to sports? We can. Okay. So this weekend, the NBA playoffs continued. Uh, I, we have to do this much to the chagrin of Nate in Ohio. And your kids. And my sons, Yeah. The Cavs trail the New York Knickerbockers. The New York Knickerbockers. Very difficult to say. Three games to one now. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, how surprised are you? Are you surprised by this at all? I'm a little surprised. Okay. Uh, I thought Donovan Mitchell would be more dominant mm-hmm. uh, than he has been. But the Knicks have been really good on the glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julius Randle has not had a great series. Yeah. But R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brunson have been incredible. Yeah. As well as the big men for the Knicks, they've both yeah. been been very very good. And that the big men for the Knicks seem to be the difference makers on the gla- on the particularly the offensive glass. Is that is that your assessment? Yeah, I, I'm surprised at. It seems like the Cavaliers have not matched the intensity of the Knicks mm-hmm. at, at sort of the playoff level intensity, and I think that's probably just a reflection of being a young team. But Donovan Mitchell's not young; he's been in the playoffs before. He's got yep. plenty of experience, but uh, he was a no show in Game Four. This mm-hmm. past weekend, uh, very surprising. Uh, the Cavs just—they don't look like the same team they were in the regular season, and now they've put themselves in a pretty significant hole. Yeah, it, I mean, game one, the Knicks—I think uh, just barely won. Game two, mm-hmm. they lost pretty significantly. Yeah. Game three, they really blew out the Cavs, and then yep. the Cavs made a third quarter push in game four. But we're ultimately. It's hard though to play that poorly for a whole half and mm-hmm. then just turn it on and end up trying to win a playoff game on yeah. the road like that. That's just hard to do. Uh, I do love watching game highlights from Knicks playoff games because it's it's always like half basketball, half what celebrities were of in course. attendance of this game. Yeah, um, yeah. John McEnroe was there. Yeah, exactly. you know, there's there's a lot of yeah. Ben Stiller. Uh, are you suggesting that's not the same for highlights of the Cleveland Cavaliers that they don't have the same sort of star power sitting courtside? I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, hey, I'm sure you're right. Um, I'm trying to think who would even show up. <laughs> I, I mean, other, I mean, other athletes probably. I was Cleveland. thinking LeBron James might be the most famous person from Cleveland right now. <laughs> he's he's otherwise occupied. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, speaking of which, over in the West, then. Uh, Perhaps a little surprising. The Lakers are up two one on the um, <clears throat> on the Grizzlies, but that yeah. but they play tonight, so we're recording on a Monday. So by the time this drops, that could be two two. It could also be three one. But uh, the Lakers are a dangerous team. I think we've we've talked about that. They're that my pick for the Western Conference. It wouldn't be shocking to see them come out of the West. 
Sacramento and um, the uh, Warriors are uh, tied at two games apiece. Did you watch, did you catch any of the end of that game yesterday? I caught highlights. highlights. Okay. The commentators were going off about basically how, oh, Sacramento's so young. They don't have the experience to close out games. And then Steph Curry makes a colossally stupid mistake with about 40 seconds that nearly <laughs> cost them the game. They're up five at that point. And uh, with the ball, he's bringing the ball up the court and Curry calls a timeout. He goes Chris Webber on us, calls a timeout the Warriors don't have, which means Sacramento gets a technical free throw and the ball back. And it all works out to the point where Sacramento has the ball with 10 seconds left eventually with a chance to win the game. And they miss the shot. Mm -hmm. But it's just funny to see them, you know, the commentators love fest for Stephanie Curry there. And uh, and then like, oh, gosh, he made a mistake. And it's just, you know, for him to go Chris Webber, you know, talking about his basketball IQ and all this sort of stuff. I'm not the biggest Stephanie Curry fan, as you might be able to tell. Well, but you're calling him Stephanie, which, yeah. which is a indicator. He's he's the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. I, I don't dispute that. And he's been great for the NBA. I just don't like his antics. Mm-hmm. I just don't like his antics. So, all right. Well, we can resume normal programming now. I know the videographer's gone. Yeah, that was weird. It was a little weird, although I, you know, he he did a great job of making himself as little noticeable as possible. Uh, what is that for? <laughs> Why were we being videoed? <laughs> well, you know, we're doing our Master Divinity online. All these classes, we're, every class we offer residentially, we're offering sure online. Is that a core course for the MDiv now? The VNS Pod. It is. Yeah. Okay. So um, they have you record the. Like an introduction to the class, like basically like a personal – well, sorry, we do a welcome. So that's supposed to be something personal about you as the prof. Mm-hmm. Well, after you've done like five of these already, it's like what do I say different? I've already talked about my family. I've talked about this. I've talked about that. And then uh, – so this most recent one, I talked about the fact that I went to uh, went to college thinking I was going to be a sports broadcaster and that God – obviously redirected me, but still gives me outlets to use some of those gifts and abilities. And I mentioned this pod. And so they thought, what better way to uh, enhance that welcome than to mm. shoot some what's called B-roll footage yeah. uh, of us doing the podcast. So there you go. So when you were at your last your last ditch um – at the end of your at the end of the lane for ideas of what to tell people about yourself, <laughs> you finally came to the podcast. This came in sixth. Okay, yes. okay. <laughs> hey, it made the top ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's good on NBA playoffs. Why don't we move on to uh, NFL draft update? So that's this week. Finally. Um, I don't understand why the NFL does such a gap between the end of their season and the draft itself. I don't understand that. I think it's so they own the off season, like because you talk about it for you know two months leading up to the draft. Okay, but and then you're in the off season workouts and those sorts yeah, of things. I don't know. And of course, as as is always the case, 
there's always the ridiculousness that surrounds certain picks of, oh, teams were high on this guy and then suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, his draft stock is falling through the floor. Um, my sense about the NFL draft is teams lie. Oh, 100%. Uh, that, that they just put out all the false information oh, about who they're thinking about taking. They drop it to this reporter or that reporter yeah. um, in an attempt to misdirect everybody. There, there's absolutely uh, a ton of that. But there's been a lot of uh, a lot of negative buzz around C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. Hmm. Uh, His receivers are too good? Is that n- the— No, no. So— First, there was this ridiculous report from uh, report, not even a report. Brady Quinn mentions on a podcast. Well, I heard that he um, ghosted the Peyton Manning quarterback camp, so that speaks to his character about not following through or whatever. Okay, well, first of all, other people came out and said that's just not true. Like, I, like basically came out and said that's just not true. I can yeah. demonstrate, you know, just dumb stuff I remember like this that. happening last week. And then, and th- and then, the other thing that's come out of, apparently about C.J. Stroud is they they don't do the Wonderlick test anymore. Remember the remember the old Wonderlick test? Yeah, they, they did like your intelligence. Yes, mm-hmm. that's supposed to be predictive of whatever. Okay. Well, they do some different test. I think it's called the S two now or something like that. I like Wonderlick better, just yeah. from a name. Oh, hundred percent. And allegedly. C.J. Stroud's score was significantly lower than the other quarterbacks that are at the top of the draft. Mm. Uh, there were also reports coming out about his like work ethic and all this sort of stuff. It's just like, where is this stuff coming from? Because all of his teammates, all of his coaches at Ohio State, like even reporters who cover the team were like, this is absurd. He's the first in the film room, you know, last in the building kind of guy. He's like all these weird things. So um, – when when the Panthers initially traded for the number one pick, the betting odds were that C.J. Stroud was going to be their guy. Mm-hmm. Now that's not the case. And now some reports are saying he could drop out of the top seven. And if it's over a stupid, like, written test, like – Everybody lies, Matt. I, I know. Everybody I lies. Know. But see, here, here's part of what is wrong with – you get people who rely on, on on a dumb written test rather than just looking at the film and going, can he do the job? Right? Mm-hmm. Or you get people who go to the – who get wowed by some guy who had mediocre or sort of ordinary statistics in a big league like the SEC or uh, you know the Big Ten or something like that. But you know, is a sort of weight room freak. So he goes to the combine and he lifts more than anybody else and he runs the faster 40. But then you turn on the tape and you're like, but he didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It just it boggles my mind how it's kind of Josh Allen, right? I mean, Josh Allen was a was an absolute freak in the gym, but was kind of underwhelming at where, where was he? North okay. Dakota. But that's different. Being uh, no, he was he was Wyoming. Wyoming. That's right. That's right. But see, that's a little different. I think when you play on at a, at a not in a top tier conference in college. Mm-hmm. If you're playing in the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the ACC, if you're playing in one of those conferences and you don't do much of anything, you're just kind of like, eh, not bad, then 
why should we think that just because, oh, wow, at the combine, you ran the, the cone drill in 8.7 seconds. That's amazing. A lot of cones to run around in the NFL. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm mostly with you, but uh, I just don't put any stock. I don't, I don't like Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay. These guys don't know what's going on. No. In fact, Mel Kuyper has, I think, gotten better recently because you're going, no, 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 this is what this team should do. I have no clue what they're actually going to do. This yeah. is what they should do. Yeah. I appreciate that honesty from Mel Kuyper. Yeah. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah. Um, People who don't get that reference. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway. Uh, quick update on the Mets. Uh Center fielder Brandon Nimmo uh, batted 500 on this West Coast trip. Uh, was the number one player in baseball this oh. week? Our okay. N- new, uh, he's been our center fielder for a few years, but uh, newly signed seven-year contract, seven or eight-year contract. Brandon Nimmo, uh, best player in baseball in the last week. Okay. Uh, did you did you see the sticky stuff with I was Max ask Scherzer? You about Max Scherzer, yeah, yeah. Um, what is, what have you heard about it? And, and well, all I heard uh, all I heard was that he got ejected after the third inning, maybe second or third inning. He, yeah, he pitched a couple the, innings after the third, um, and hadn't given up a hit. Was cruising along, and then he the umpires did their sort of uh, examination of him, and it was was it rosin that he said rosin and sweat. Okay, which he's going to have sweat, obviously. And rosin's a legal substance. Yeah. And they they tossed him. Well, because af- so they checked him after the first inning. They said, your hands are too sticky. Go wash them. <laughs> what are they, your mom? Like- and so they have an MLB <laughs> official in the dugout. And they watch him watch it, wash his hands. They wash it, They watch him apply rosin. And then they watch him go back out there. Okay. Uh, the umpire checked him again after the s- second inning and said, hands are too sticky. Go wash them <laughs> with alcohol. And so they have like – it's like rubbing alcohol. Yeah. And so they have him wash his hands. With an MLB official watching, he washes his hands. They watch him apply rosin. He goes back out there. They said after the third inning, your hands are too sticky, and they toss him from the game. Okay. Uh, and so in order to get him back – so they could have appealed, but in order to get him back in time for the end of the Atlanta Braves series that's coming up, mm-hmm. they decided to just accept this suspension. That's so strange. The 10-game suspension, yeah. Uh, and there have been three ejections in the major leagues for sticky substances. Uh, They're all from the same umpire. Has okay. ejected the same three. Has ejected three people. Okay. Um, we are waiting for the apology from the major league from major league baseball to, <laughs> yeah. to the New York Mets. Good luck waiting on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We have got to move on here to actually get to our main topic. People who skip the sports segment are going to be like, "Oh my gosh, it's 19- did something happen?" <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen minutes in, and they're not talking about, the, uh, about what I want to listen to. Okay, you ready to move on? Sure. So our main topic today is the topic of catechesis. John, what is catechesis? Uh, basic. Well, I mean, basically, what does the, that term refer to? Yeah, so it refers to like the 
I always think of catechesis. I always think of catechism. Yep. So the qu- question and uh, uh, developed answer response. So it's meant to be uh, memorized as a way to uh, develop particularly theology. Yeah. Um, so to, to understand theology. Okay. All right. So and why are we talking about this subject besides the obvious answer of we always need content? Um, well, I'm trying to remember how we came to this topic. <laughs> Because uh, when, when were we discussing this? Was it January when we had our, our last uh, power meeting? Uh, it might be. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, this was sort of on our radar for a while. But – Yeah. and But um, basically we would – we wanted to talk about how uh, catechisms exist like New City Catechism or the Heidelberg Catechism or these different things as a way to help form our worldview – yeah. And how there are uh, a number of things going on in our world that are also trying to form our worldview mm-hmm. and how that is catechizing in some form or fashion. Yeah. So part of the impetus was uh, Kevin DeYoung wrote an article and uh, this is a while ago now. It was when the Olympics were on. So a little while ago. Nice. And uh, basically – the Olympics this summer? Um. No, wasn't that last? No, 22. It's last summer. So last summer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and basically him pointing out that uh, more than just a sporting event, basically there were, there were embedded worldviews and values that were impossible to avoid mm-hmm. while watching the Olympics. So, you know, he's, the, he's obviously longing for a day when you could just turn on a sporting event and it is the sporting event. Mm-hmm. And it's who's good, who's better, who wins, who loses, a public – you know, sort of the kind of public interest story connected to it about the athlete who's overcoming some terrible tragedy in their past or family or whatever. Or about the American swing, swim team uh, lip-syncing the, the Friday song on the airplane. Do you remember this from no. four or five years ago? Yeah, the <laughs> – no. the, United States swim team. I can't even remember what Olympics it was, but they were flying there, and they did like a video on their phones to the the mm. Friday song. If you know the song, I'm I am familiar about. with the Friday song. Yes. Um, so, yeah, like I remember watching that piece by NBC. Yeah. So in any case, his point is is that basically, um, you couldn't watch any moment of the Olympics without being catechized in the inviolable truths of the sexual revolution. In other words, basically everything seemed to be permeated by celebrating the latest and greatest quote-unquote advances mm-hmm. in the in culture's understanding of and uh, approach to sexuality. So um, his basic point, uh, even apart from the Olympics, is simply to say, look uh, – the whole world around us is always actively catechizing, trying to uh, reinforce, to build and then reinforce certain values, beliefs, ideals, and trying to do it in a way that makes those things seem obvious, normal, and right mm-hmm. without any measure of reflection. That, that's his basic point there. Uh, and I think that's obviously true. So here's a quick question for you. 
on events like the Olympics, you talked you talked about longing for a day where you're just worried about um, the 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 sport itself. Who who wins the race? Who goes the fastest? Who jumps the highest? Um, mm-hmm. Is is there no is there no communication in, in humanity that doesn't have some catechesis attached to it? Right? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Is there always sort of a Hey, I'm trying to form you, or no matter what I say, I'm trying to form you, and it's just become sort of the uh, anti of what Christians would normally stand for. Does that make sense? Does my question? Yeah, I mean, if the if the question is, well, let me back up. There's no such thing as as a purely neutral kind of worldview free mm-hmm. presentation mm-hmm. of anything. Worldview inevitably affects how you talk about anything. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, uh, sure, uh, e- even a f- sort of seemingly neutral presentation of here's the event, this person won, these people lost, uh, still is in one sense communicating the value of winning mm-hmm. and why that's good, right? So there's a me- there's an implied message there of winning is is good – Losing is not. Mm-hmm. Well, that's embedded in a worldview at some level. Yeah. But I think uh, – so, so in one sense, that is the larger point. The world around us is always trying to catechize us, even in the way that it talks about certain realities. I mean it makes me think of the of the verse in, uh, in Romans 12 where Paul talks about not being conformed to this mm-hmm. world, um, that basically – the way that the world talks about things, portrays things as good, uh, is a form of catechesis. It's trying to instruct you on what is good, what is desirable, what is best, and by contrast, what is bad and mm-hmm. to be avoided. Um, so I think part of what he's noticing is just the, the simple fact that uh, maybe 75 years ago, there was still broadly a loosely Judeo-Christian-ish kind of broad framework that was yeah. widely just sort of seen as kind of the starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that's not the case. And I, so, I think even less than that. I think less than 75 years ago even. That puts us in the 50s. I was thinking the, the 19 – even the 1980s, 1990s, there was still like a broad – uh, I think by then you're starting to. I think by then the this really the sexual revolution of the '60s is probably spinning itself hmm. out into more areas. But in any case, um, so uh, part of the point of the article is just to to remind us everything you consume at some level is trying to catechize you. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the, whether it's the news, whether it's fiction you're reading. Obviously, entertainment. I mean, think about entertainment. Uh, Podcasts you're listening that's to. That's right. That's right. Um, Classes you're taking. Yep. Schools you go to. But think back to, um, and you were you were too young to probably fully be aware of all that was going on when this I was happened. a very perceptive. I child. know, but yeah. when when Ellen came out on her television show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't okay. remember that. <laughs> Mid nineties. Mid nineties. Okay. First grader. And so you've got this – like everybody basically knew she was she was gay. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, when she finally came out on her show, it was just like big moment. And then all of a sudden now look, I mean, how many shows it feels like if you have any sort of on large ensemble cast, there is going to be a homosexual character in that group. Yep. That wasn't the case 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so entertainment is, I think, probably the biggest um, means by which catechism takes place in our culture because it presents what's what what's – normal in one sense or what's to be uh, idealized. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a great quote in there borrowing from David Wells um, where uh, David Wells talks about – oh, where's the quote? I want to get it exactly right. Uh, Yeah, David Wells' famous definition of worldliness is whatever makes righteousness look strange and sin look normal, Hmm. that's worldliness. And that's a great reminder as we look at entertainment. But here's the challenge, of course. We're immersed in this culture. And even if you restrict your media consumption significantly, you're still interacting with other people. You're still in a world where um, there are efforts to catechize you. And yet, what is the church supposed to accomplish then in – you know, if a person just attends Sunday morning service for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. so an hour and a half versus, you know, dozens upon dozens of hours, that's a tough that's a tough uh, imbalance to overcome. Oh yeah. So um, that kind of sets the stage, I think, for us to talk about what are some ways that we, as the church, or even as individuals can um, work towards catechizing ourselves biblically or theologically that keeps us grounded in a biblical worldview? I, I don't know if I have a ton of answers <laughs> for you. Um, l- listen to more various and sundry podcasts. I mean, that's an obvious one. That's, that's for starters. Listen yeah. to every episode twice. Uh, sure. Go back to the beginning when we were – Youthful pups trying to yeah. uncover the secrets of the microphone, and uh, <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, a, a, a couple things come to mind, and some of it does have to do with how we in, in, intake uh, entertainment, mm-hmm. which, which I think I'd actually put like a lot of news in the entertainment category. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean. I, I think reading more. Uh, so reading, if you're going to consume news, read more news than you actually watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then I'd say just read more broadly. So read fiction, read theology, read uh, really as much as you can uh, as part of your entertainment. Uh, yeah, that's what comes to mind for me first. How about yourself? Well, I think I, I do think being attentive to the sources of input from our culture, whether it's entertainment or news. But, um, you know, I think there are things that we can do as individuals in terms of intake of God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't just have to be strict Bible reading, though that's obviously great and central, uh, or listening to scripture, which is great. But um, 
I do think spending time intentionally reading and uh, exposing ourselves to opportunities to grow in our understanding of of, mm-hmm. of scripture and of of the gospel, and not just individualistically, but being involved in Christian community is another way where um, that sort of thing. Um, uh, helps catechize us to what is actually true and what is real. Um, you know, earlier in the episode, you mentioned the whole uh, New City catechism. Uh, I remember when our kids were young, going through a catechism with our kids, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Loved it, and they still remember some of the questions, some of the questions and answers. Uh, my 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 boys hate this video. My wife and I love it, but. We have a video of them of like Jake is like two, not quite two, uh, maybe two, and John is like five. And we had them record them. We recorded them doing their questions uh, for their grandparents, and it's adorable. Uh, <laughs> you know, who made you? God. What else did God make? God made all things. Like just like simple truths coming out of their mouths. And, you know, did they understand it fully? Of course not. Mm -hmm. But it's establishing a foundation, a framework for what is true and and how the world works and how to think about their experience of the world. Uh, And so that – we didn't use the New New City Catechism because it wasn't out yet. (laughs) But uh, that is available and there's there's a free app. Yeah, yep, free app for it. You can access it online. You can access it in an app. Um, I think our church uses it to go through uh, yeah. on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. I can't sure. remember which it does. And it's just one of those great resources where if somebody – even and again, sometimes we think, you think, oh, catechism, that's for kids. Well, no, not just not just for kids. It's It could be beneficial even for you as an adult individual. Yeah. Even building it into part of your devotional time. And to read one question and the answer and reflect on that. Well, and Luther had what he calls a large catechism and a small catechism. Mm-hmm. Small catechism was for children. Large catechism was for larger children, uh, adults. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, catechisms are not just, just for kids. And I, I and think this ahead. is a place where I think churches could – be more intentional even in incorporating some of those questions and answers from catechisms into the worship service itself. Hmm. There's no reason why you can't include that. Yeah. Um, you can make it a responsive reading. You could um, – you know, I think the combination of catechisms and creeds are things that we as churches could be incorporating more consistently. I think most of our listeners probably are in a lower church context, so they're not, you know, not in an Anglican service or a, you know, high church Lutheran uh, context where it's, you know, well, yeah, we read from the creed every every week. And we read the Apostles' Creed every yeah. week. We, yeah. Um, you know, I think sometimes in our low church um Sensibilities, we immediately, ah, you know, we react to that like, oh gosh, what are we going to become, like Lutheran or something here, like, or Episcopalian, like, well, no, but <laughs> there's no reason why a, a good faithful Baptist can't read from the Apostles' Creed. Their eyes might burn, though, Matt. 
<laughs> so I, I think that's I think that's an, uh, one way that uh, churches could incorporate more of that, and not just for the kids, but mm-hmm. for the adults as well, because it's it's foolish to think oh only kids need catechizing. Mm-hmm. No, we as adults need catechizing, taught and developed. Um, in terms of how we think. And I, I would add adults need to watch their consumption of, sure. of things that are catechizing, whether oh, yeah. Twitter, news. And, and part of it is even just uh, it's – if you're going to consume those things, consuming them thoughtfully, mm-hmm. not just passively receiving them and being like, oh, OK, that's it. You know, I, I think there is a place for us to be obviously – Reading and uh, engaging and reading the in the culture with things we don't agree with. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so if we're just passively consuming them as opposed to thinking, well, wait a minute, what's the what's the message behind that? What's mm-hmm. the what is that trying to get me to do or to think or what is it trying to normalize that shouldn't be normalized? Like mm-hmm. being thoughtful consumers uh, makes a big difference, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So we will put a link to Katie Wise's article in the show notes. We will also put a link to the New City Catechism. Yep, we can throw in that in the there. show notes. But I think it's time for us to move on. You ready? Yep. Time now for this day in sports history. All right, this day in sports history, April twenty fifth, twenty twenty three. It's a good day. Yeah, it's a good day. Uh, Nineteen seventy four. The NFL moves the goalpost into adopts a sudden-death playoff. Is that when they moved the goalpost to the back of the end zone? Yeah. Is that when that took place? Yeah. It's funny to see those old highlights where the goalposts are at the goal line. Yeah. And yeah. so they're literally in play. See guys running into them. And... Well, I, I imagine they used them as like picks a little bit. Yeah, like sure. The, why not? Anyway. Why not? Uh, 1980, the Oakland Athletics manager Billy Martin – Restrained by umpires for attacking a fan. Oh, Billy. That dude was wild. Yeah, Billy Martin. He managed the Yankees, what, like three times, I think? I think so. Uh, by the way, did you see the Oakland Athletics bought land in Las Vegas? They're going to be the Las Vegas Athletics? I did see that they bought land, yes. Yeah. It's wild that we've got professional sports teams settling in Las Vegas now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it makes sense. It, 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 I, I'm just fascinated by the – for my whole grow, time growing up and even early adulthood, professional sports wanted to largely stay away from the gambling world. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a light switch turn where they're like, we could make obscene amounts of money if we just embrace this. And they're like, okay. Well, they wanted to – I mean they got rid of it initially because of things like the Black Sox scandal and Pete Rose and you know so, some of those um, sorts of incidents where people were getting in on throwing a game or mm-hmm. uh, impacting the game that didn't make the game – that hurt the integrity of the game basically. Yeah. But did you see uh, Jameson Williams? Is yeah, going to be suspended of, six games. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was wide six, receiver for the Lions. Six players were, and it's because he bet on other NFL games. I, I believe through one of the apps, FanDuel, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. DraftKings, whatever. But he did it 
on-team property. Is that why? That's why. So it's uh, so apparently the rule is it's okay if you're at your home or wherever else. You just cannot be on team property, whether that's on the team bus, in the facility, in the like if you're on a on a road trip for the you can't you can't bet on it. But if you're at home in your living room, you can throw a few grand down on another NFL team. Interesting. Seems like a ridiculously, um, you know, nuanced rule. That's kind of like John Morant having a gun. <laughs> and they're like, well, he couldn't have it on a, on team property, but it, because it was at uh, this club, that's what we'll call it, uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's like, yes. he's on the road. How did this come with him? Yeah. You know, anyway. Yeah. Uh, 1990, boy, that was the longest This Day in Sports History segment um, over a single thing. Yeah. Uh, 1991, Boston Herald journalist Lisa Olson uh, brings suit against NFL New England Patriots uh, for sexual harassment while covering team. Uh, an out-of-court settlement was reached. The league finds the team, and she transfers uh, to a position in Sydney, Australia. That last part was just weird to me. So she just moves to Australia. Okay. I mean, if, if she settled for a good amount of money, not a bad place to retire. Um, 2009, NFL draft Georgia quarterback Matthew Stafford, first picked by the Detroit Lions, yep. later goes on to win Super Bowl with Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that trade worked out for the for the Rams, but now they're paying for it, right? I mean, they basically went all in on that one year. That's right. And it worked. They got the, they got the Super Bowl championship. But and, and now Matthew Stafford, he's showing up in, in AT&T ads. That's right. That's and Little right. Caesars ads, I think. Well, which is funny because Little Caesar was, uh, is based in Michigan, isn't it? It's based, based in, in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Where he used to be a quarterback. Yep. Anyway, uh, 2019 NFL Draft Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray, number one pick by the Arizona Cardinals, uh, replacing quarterback for Arizona. Yeah, for Arizona. Do you remember who he replaced? Notorious Jewish quarterback. <laughs> That's not helping. Josh Rosen. 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 Okay. Yes. yes. Yes, when who they Ro- had drafted the year before. Who they had drafted in the, the top year ten, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. There was a lot of talk when Rosen was coming out for the draft that like Giants or Jets are going to take Josh Rosen to get the Jewish fan in New York. <laughs> that's that's the only reason I remember that he's that he's Jewish. There was a lot of talk about the Jets or the Giants going after Rosen for the Jewish fan in New York. Because there's a lot of Jewish people, obviously, who aren't already fans, but suddenly, if the quarterback for one of those teams. Would be mm-hmm. uh, a Jewish man. They'd be like, "Oh, well, now I'm a Giants fan." They're very committed to their people. Very okay. committed. Okay. Um, boy, that was the oddest this day in sports it history. It was. We better ever. just pick somebody and move on. Who you like? Um, or what do you? I mean, there's there's some what's in here, not just the who's. How about uh, the goalpost? You like the goalpost? Sure. Okay. One thing you liked. Uh, so. Actually, the day this podcast drops, it will be my birthday. That's right. So tomorrow. So over the weekend, my wife made me a homemade birthday cake. Okay. It was chocolate and peanut butter. 
so it was a chocolate cake covered in fe- peanut butter frosting. It was about eight to ten inches tall. Okay. And covered in Reese cups across the top, like mm. um, broken up Reese cups across the top. Wow. It was delicious. I'm I'm a little disappointed you didn't bring some in to sample in the studio here. I I am sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> it was a very – I took it to Life Group with me yesterday uh, and it weighed about four to six pounds it yeah. felt like. I mean it was a heavy cake. It was a okay. lot of a – lot of, a lot of cake going on there. And so this is uh, – you're turning 35? 35. Wow. Yeah, halfway to 70. Wow. If my math is correct. Which it is honest, actually it could, be, it could case, be wrong. Yes. Yeah. So more than a third of your life is over. Most likely, yeah. It seems unlikely you're going to live to 105. We'll see. <laughs> Only time will tell. <laughs> seems unlikely. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess I should wish you a happy birthday. Better yet, come today giving tomorrow and wish me <laughs> a happy birthday. So you can rope me into recording something? Yeah, yeah. If you'd record a thank you for us, okay. that'd, that'd be great. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I could get it, get you to send it to somebody you know as, uh, as a thank you. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> What's your one thing, Doc? So um, I have started listening to – you were the one I think that pointed me in this direction, at least one of the people. Uh, the Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. Oh, yes. Podcast. Yes. I'm a f- couple episodes in. few up, Third episode, I think. Uh, just fascinating to revisit the history and how – she has gotten significant uh, criticism from all ends of the spectrum in one sense, you know, from very conservative Christians who were very much anti the mm-hmm. witchcraft piece and now on the uh, very progressive left f- for uh, her uh, stance against basically uh, against considering – biological men who present themselves as women. He's against, She's against regarding them as women. Yep. And so, of course, the trans community is just outraged and trying to cancel her. And she's so powerful, influential, and wealthy that it doesn't matter. <laughs> and she could care less. Yeah. And so um, it's funny to see them just losing their minds. That's what happens when you write a generational story. Yeah. Yeah, which part of that podcast does tell a little bit of the of her life before she wrote that, That's, which was a very hard luck life. Oh my goodness, yes, a very very difficult. Uh, but you know, as I was listening to that, I often I thought to myself, like, you want to know what some some people go through those really hard moments and are able to bring about um, great art mm-hmm. um, out of those very very yeah. difficult moments, and she seems to have done that. Yeah, absolutely. Or she definitely has done that. Full yes, stop. yes, and now they're doing a a, a TV series. Did I see this? A I did Harry see Potter TV about series. That. Yeah, and she's. I I think she's involved in it. I in think she does of, a lot of the writing for those things. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that how that pans out. There's probably such an appetite for it. It'll be fine, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's such a such a I'd, large app- I'd appetite. I check it out as long as it's not on HBO and I don't have to pay extra for it. Or see, but I think it might be on one of those. I think it might be on HBO. Is HBO owned by NBC? Oh, is it? No, I don't know. Because NBC Universal owns – it would be on Peacock. Maybe then. on Peacock. OK. Yeah. So be it. OK. Goodness. There was a time when I didn't care what studio did certain things. But now I have to know because like 
do I have that streaming right. service what? or would I have to get that streaming service in order to watch that? Exactly. Oh, goodness. It's a wild time we live in. We too. We live in wild times. Yeah. We have talked sports. Day of giving. We have talked day of giving. Tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Or today. Or today, yes. April 25th. Yes. Lincoln um, show notes. We've talked your birthday. A little bit, yeah. 35. More than 30. A third of your life is over, John. Most likely. Um, we have talked uh, catechesis. We have talked the NFL moving the goalposts back from the goal line to the back of the end zone. Among other things in that segment, that was that was a wonky. Segment. It's been a weird episode. Just because <laughs> I feel like we just got thrown off through no fault of our videographer, who's great. It's not Christian's fault. It's right? not Christian's fault. It's just, yeah, I'm a creature of habit. Hey, but new, new guest us. on the pod, I suppose. No, he is not <laughs> a guest on the pod. That does not count. We all know why that doesn't count. It does not he, count. He did not speak. No, that's correct. Okay. <laughs> Well, John, we have covered our various and sundry topics, and so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.